the house. Let me hear your bark. Let me see you bite. Let me see your scar. You know what we about. Come see us in the yard. Hello and welcome to All We Hear is Purple, where the third or fourth most mediocre Husky football podcast on the internet. I'm Andrew Berg and joined today by Gaby Lucas. Gaby, how's it going? Hello, it's going quite well, if I do say so. I think everyone's in a solid to great mood right now, you know, as far as UW shenanigans. I mean, that was actually the first thing I wanted to talk about post Alamo Bowl victory over Texas, like a true blue blood win just the vibes for the team right now uh I, I was thinking back this is you know an 11 and 2 finish even during the really great chris peterson run of going to new year's six bowl games making the college football playoffs we never got the impression or the feeling of ending a season on a high note you know we lost the, those alabama penn state ohio state bowl games to end the great seasons uh, under peterson so for you how does this season rank among the greatest Husky seasons in the last, you know, 20 or so years, say post the last uh, Rose Bowl victory, just on on how you feel exiting the season. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, it's really hard to talk about like past, like Chris Peterson bowl losses, for example, without like, like out of context, because so much of it was like, if you overperform in the regular season relative to your talent level, then like you it's it's not it is a reward obviously you know to play Alabama or Ohio State or whatever but in some ways it's kind of like you do kind of get screwed over because at a certain point you know you can't outplay your talent level um you know like Jake Browning and the 2016 fine not great uh, offensive line against Alabama's like all five-star and like perfectly coached defensive line that year like (laughs) like you know I so I felt like this was such a great combination of Texas obviously has uh talent they they probably you know their issue in many ways has in the past has been underperforming their talent level um and this year is kind of an interesting combination because metric like metrically and this is what happens when you lose like all four of your games by seven points or less i think it is um they were you know much better than their record and their talent level is pretty impressive and that you know they are the they are the brand that they are so anytime like any win like that is really quite you know (laughs) like it feels like a genuine a gen it doesn't feel like uh you know when you winning at southern mississippi in 2015 where you're like yeah they were a better team mm-hmm. with their record but we know that we have the talent level and we know that uh or the talent advantage and and all that so i feel like and i feel like this more than anything besides like the vibes they are great um i feel like when you look at this team they have the talent and the coaching on the line and at the skill positions on offense I should say on both sides of the line where you're like oh I think like I I trust these receivers for example to play against you know I I trust them to play against anybody like I trust this offensive line against pretty much anybody like you know obviously (laughs) obviously within that it's obviously like I don't think they would like 
go up against Georgia and like dominate or anything like this offensive line, but it just, there's so much of this, there's so many more components of this team, like individual units that it feels like, Oh, I think they, the talent level and the coaching have aligned at very critical positions in a way where it's and this is with so much coming back where it just feels really exciting for the future in a way that it maybe didn't during the Chris Peterson bowl games, regardless of whether yeah. they had won or lost, because it's like, you still knew they had to take that next step in, in uh, talent accumulation. And a lot of like that now is the result of, of Peterson's years. Like, you know, Dune say and McMillan and uh, you know, and, all the offensive line except for no even rosengarten you know <laughs> and and the and uh you know pretty much all the dl like it's all guys that were that end of chris peterson's reign um and those were the guys that we needed to take that next step and i feel like that's what you're seeing now yeah i i think overall it's hard to say that this was a better year than 2016 sure, you're yeah. in the college football playoff and and that team it probably didn't have the offensive fireworks, but it was a very good offense with John Ross kind of firing on all cylinders and Miles Gaskin at peak of his powers. And then defensively, you know, that secondary compared to this one is just kind of a, a joke. Like Kevin King, Taylor Rapp, Puda Baker, Sidney Jones. And then the defensive line, that was the year that had Elijah Qualls, Vita Vea, and Greg Gaines at the same time. Yeah. Like, that that team defensively was absolutely loaded. It was and, so and, fun. Oh my God. But like, I think the point, that you made that like there were years years that Chris Peterson had great teams and there were years that they won bowl games and they weren't the same years. So Mm -hmm. it's like getting to have both is just ending the season on a high note that we haven't had in a Mm -hmm. while. And that also has the effect of drawing more optimism going forward. And one of the reasons for that, like you mentioned was this offensive line is playing better than we've seen it play in many, many years. And in the Alamo Bowl, that was kind of, to me, the decisive factor in the game. Totally, the offensive yeah. line, like Texas's defensive line is supposed to be one of the great strengths of the team. And it's just like blue chip prospects up and down the line. And Penix never got sacked. Uh, Tola Papa was probably his best game in a Husky uniform, just found creases everywhere. Hey, do you remember seeing our offensive line just take over a game that way? Uh, no, <laughs> not since I, I should say not, not since I have been old enough and smart enough to know what I'm looking at, <laughs> honestly, yeah. like, like genuinely not. And I think what was most impressive to me was like, they have it, this offensive line, I feel like has been kind of the opposite of like the lines that we had gotten used to in the past under Pete, where like, they would be really good at uh run blocking and, and, and um like, you know, pulling guards and all and power stuff. And then and then be kind of fine, not great in the pass protection. And I feel like this year, like they've clearly shined so beyond our expectations in pass protection and then have been kind of fine, not great. Like good. They've been good. They have been good, you know, in the run game, but not like that really dominant kind of thing that you expect. And especially I think that's be, been more I feel like it's appeared more visible than maybe it the actual results are simply because of their short yarded struggles. Yeah. Um, which it's really easy to notice. Um, but I think that was the thing that I was most impressed with against Texas was that like, yeah, they were really great at pass protection, which is how they've been all season and how they needed to be. And 
has turned into something that we were so surprised by initially. And now we just kind of come to expect and maybe take it for granted. But I also was just impressed that like last game of the season against a really, you know, a really good opponent who's better than their record has a higher, um, you know, talent accumulation than probably any team they had played this year, maybe, maybe Oregon, although, or, you know, they had Texas probably had a better combination of talent plus coaching um, at certain individual positions. And so to see the offensive line kind of turn on the Jets in the aspect of their job that they hadn't been as dominant at for the earlier parts of the season, um, I thought that was really, really fun to watch and also just fun to send Talapapa out like <laughs> for his college career on such a high note. So much of that, I mean, he played awesome and there are certain, uh, certain runs he had where just his vision and patience and cutting was fantastic but also just it felt it felt like it felt almost like the offensive line was like you know uh the charging scotsman like for wayne <laughs> you know yeah and it was really encouraging seeing this game from telepop it kind of made me wish that he had another season to come back because he was it seemed like he finally was reading this offensive line correctly and like finding the gaps and these little creases and then just exploding through them, which was really important in this game because Michael Penix was just okay. Uh, Texas's defensive backs were really physical and Penix made the plays he needed to in the end, but it certainly wasn't an A plus game from him. Uh, and, it, you know, probably the first time the Huskies have won a game where Michael Penix wasn't on absolute top of his game because the other two games where he struggled a little bit, the UCLA and Arizona State games were the two that we ended up losing. So it feels good going into next year, knowing that there's at least a, a path to winning without him playing his very best. Any other thoughts on, on Penix's performance in the bowl game? Yeah. Um, I mean, not him specifically, other than I think, I think, you know, hearing you say that it kind of triggered in my brain that I I, th- I feel like this may have been the most complete game from like as far as all their un- all the units doing, you know, doing what they had to uh, that we've had all season. Because like you said, like not that every single unit played played their best game, like Penix, for example, like you just pointed out, like did, he definitely clearly didn't play his best game. And I think a lot of that was credit to the opponent and also the fact that Grubb was like playing, you know, play, calling a lot of go routes just to, just to force Texas to stretch their, their whole defense out um, kind of in the long con. And so obviously that's a lot of low percentage plays. Um, but I think you saw a lot of parts of this team that in the past have kind of been weaknesses step up as far as, you know, I thought they, that one, that, uh, that one long touchdown run aside, um, which was a handful of poor angles. <laughs> um, I thought I thought you saw like the defensive, uh, you know, you saw saw a lot of a lot of weaknesses kind of improved over that last month. I thought the tackling was much better. Um, it felt like the defensive line had also, you know, um, gone a little bit more push as far as preventing preventing you know just as far as just being being more um productive against the run and and then like we said like the running game was a lot stronger and I like the chemistry between Wayne and also Richard Newton like shout out to him I thought he was super fun to watch um the chemistry between those guys and the offensive line was fantastic and so it was just nice to see like when your most elite units who you've 
depended on for most of the season when they aren't playing at their best to see the other units who have, you know, kind of been kind of playing second fiddle to those guys to see them step up and kind of have <laughs> that, that those roles being reversed. So I think in many ways, that was kind of one of the things that made that such a satisfying game to watch and, and also just gratifying as a fan. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about some of the marginal improvements on defense just across the board and how the results were a lot better. I was surprised how much Texas had Quinn Ewers throwing the ball. They kind of kept the the reins on him for most of the year. And he, I think he threw 38 passes, 37 passes in the game. Obviously has a lot to do with Bijan Robinson deciding to sit out the game. I, I I can't help but thinking this game would have looked a lot different if Robinson had played. It would have just been a lot easier for Texas to game plan offensively. Um, but I, I don't know. Do you feel differently about that? Do you think that we win this game with or without Robinson in the lineup? I mean, I don't want to sit, make a predict or a alternate universe prediction on like yeah. who wins or loses if he's there. Obviously, it's like a way harder proposition if he is because he's insane. But I also think like even if he had been in, if you're Texas's, uh, you know, if, if you're Texas's offensive coordinator, if you're Sark and company, like you watch Washington's defense and you're like, yeah, we're going to throw out a crap load because <laughs> look at these guys. Like they haven't been in position to make an interception in two months. <laughs> like, you know, and, and like for what it's worth, like we saw that happen near the end of the game with Xavier Worthy having two massive drops that, <laughs> <laughs> where you know that that wasn't a bad game plan um and yeah. that was like proof of how why like what they were trying to do wasn't necessarily a bad thing uh of course obviously if you're texas you still wish that robinson had been there but yeah i don't know i think alternate universe alternate universe stuff is something i don't have too much interested in <laughs> interest in just in general i just find those those conversations to be something that uh why do I need to know? Why do I have to yeah. think about this? Is this going to be on the test? Yeah, uh, no. Yeah, I, no, I, I think that's, I mean, we won the game. We played, our Huskies played really well on both sides of the ball. Um, and Texas chose to throw the ball 47 times and rush the ball 14 times or whatever. And um, maybe it, definitely that balance would have looked a lot different if Robinson played, but here we are. <laughs> and we'll take it. And it was a really fun way to end yeah. the season. Uh, so let's take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to do a little bit of retrospective on the season. So stick around and we'll be right back. Thanks for sticking with us. We're going to do some superlatives for the season. I'm not going to hand out necessarily awards. I think that's territory has been covered pretty well, but just some of the things that we are going to remember about this season. First of all, I wanted to talk about what you felt was the most unexpected pleasant surprise from the year like what you know going into the year with the potential storylines uh emerging what was the thing you know that changed the most over the course of the season yeah i think i think i have to go with the offensive line i know we've been talking oh and peyton henry a little bit i'm gonna have to go with oh, the yeah. offensive line and peyton one. henry um and i guess let's start with the kicker first um because I, I I will say like when you look at him this year versus last year and how much how much muscle he had put on like he's a much bigger dude than he was last year and I think that's something that I feel like people don't uh like we we we, we kind of forget about kicker like about the fact that kicker is a physical position too 
yeah. <laughs> um, um, I will say that like having played rugby, like when you're exhausted, when you score a try and you have to kick the, the, the conversion, like how in shape you are and how strong your legs are, like it absolutely matters. And yeah, like in football, you're not, your guys are fully rested. It's, uh, you know, it's either a straight on shot or it's a, from a very minimal angle, but like it, I mean, it <laughs> kicking is a, it's a really physical thing. And like, it really does take, it, it takes a lot of muscle to know. And I think what we saw from him, it wasn't, I mean, sure his range was longer, but more than that, it was that by having, you know, all that improved lower body strength, like you could see him, he didn't have to strain so much just to make it X distance uh, or to get it, you know, to be accurate. And so, or to, to, I should say not to be accurate, but to try to hit his marks. And so you were seeing just like such a, to, to me, what looked like a, it's like what a, a baseball player really takes a really big hack at, at, at the ball, like to try and hit a dinger, like really what happens more often than not is the contact isn't, isn't as good. And, yeah. you know, he doesn't hit it where he wants to. And I feel like that's not a dissimilar to kickers where like when you really have to strain and take a big hack at things, you're not often not going to make as good of contact and, you know, you're not going to be as accurate. And I felt like that was something that, that we clearly saw had improved from him. Um, so I'm going to give the, give kickers, give kickers and give the position some, uh, some love. I can't pretend to be an expert on it, but I, I have done similar things with varying degrees of success. So I, I kind of, there's certain parts of that that I understand pretty well. Um, otherwise I will, I think, I think everybody else also would say the offensive line. I mean, I don't know how, how, how did you feel like this, that we were, I, it felt to me like we were crossing our fingers like, oh, who yeah. knows, maybe Huff will be improved in a new scheme, but I don't I think nobody that, knew. <laughs> I think both of the, the things you listed were, were ones where we had a pretty good reason to believe something else going into the year. Mm -hmm. um, in, in the case of Henry, because he had four years under his belt, I just looked this up where you were talking in his career. He had he was four for twelve on kicks of greater than forty yards coming into this year, and five for seven this year. So, like the distance thing is absolutely mm -hmm. evidence for it. Uh, and then the offensive line, it returned most of the line, and you know we didn't really expect Scott Huff to just be a different coach and it'd be drastically different. But in both cases, the kicking and the offensive line, the, the performance looked nothing like what we had significant evidence, evidence for already. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's surprising in that sense. I'd also add uh, to this list, you know, I think you remember in fall camp, we had a quarterback battle and it sure, was like, yeah. not, we weren't sure who was going to start at quarterback. And then we ended up having a, I, I think you'd have at least call him a Heisman candidate in Michael Penix, probably yeah. one of the 10 best players in the country. Um, so that was a little bit, that was a somewhat unexpected surprise. And um, I'd also say the team chemistry going from, you know, where our coach last year um, punched somebody on the sideline <laughs> uh, and like just was not a happy environment to this year where it's like guys passing up millions of dollars to come back and play another year uh, is just a, a such an incredible turnaround. And, you know, I thought it would be better. I didn't realize that it would be this much better immediately. Mm -hmm. And I know there's always the debate about whether winning breeds chemistry or chemistry breeds winning. Uh, either way, 
clearly this team likes it, yeah. likes each other a lot more than they did a year ago. Probably uh, a little, talk... little bit of both, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the other side of that coin. Is there anything that was just an unpleasant surprise going from what you expected coming into the year to this year? Um, I think, you know, I, I, I don't, I almost don't like answering these questions simply because I think the answer is the same for me as it would be for everyone on both of them, um, which is, you know, you probably have to go with the secondary um, <laughs> just, and like, it, but I think it's more complicated than just like, they were amazing and now they aren't <laughs> just because yeah. just because i mean you know obviously we expected a at least a n- not insignificant level of decline because when you lose two one first round draft pick and one guy drafted at what number 38 or whatever like practically yeah. first round draft pick like no kidding you know it's going to go down um and we also knew that like this scheme wasn't going to be so it, that it wasn't going to emphasize the secondary in that way also. Um, and we knew that we were, you know, going to have, you know, inferior coaching to what Jimmy Lake was as a defensive backs coach. And that, that by itself isn't an indictment on this secondary, you know, these defensive backs coach coaches, because everybody is a worse defensive backs coach than Jimmy Lake, <laughs> like, like pretty much everybody. Yeah. Um, and and I wrote about this during the season that to an extent I'm fine with the idea of you know giving up the occasional big play like go routes etc by the corners because like in this offense take away you know you let the other team score but don't compound the issue by giving them a six minute drive down the field and t- keeping the ball out of you know say Michael Penix's hands for example. But when you you can't be doing that all the time. <laughs> and um, so I, I think, you know, we all expected there to be a a level of a significant level of decline. And part of it was fine. But I don't think especially as the year went on and, and injuries compounded, you know, an already tough position, um, you know, I, I don't think we expected it necessarily to build and be that consistent of a weakness but overall i'll take this combination of strengths and weaknesses over last year's so you know whatever oh for sure yeah i mean i I just don't want to have such rose-colored glasses that pretend like we had a top 10 defense uh there is room (laughs) yeah I, i i i think zooming in a little bit more on the secondary too i was surprised at how the Husky position ended up getting deployed. Uh, mm-hmm. The way it was kind of advertised or explained was that we'd have Dom Hampton playing closer to the line of scrimmage and supporting against the run a lot more. And I think a lot of it had to do with how teams lined up against us, but he ended up just being a cover corner, um, mm-hmm. mostly just a slot corner and does not entirely playing to his strengths and also taking away something that um, our hurt defensive front really needed, which was another big body that could tackle in space. And, um, I, you know, we'll see how that evolves from this year to next year, because I think there's some opportunity for for further refinement of how that position gets used. And it certainly was different than what I was expecting. Yeah. Uh, I just say, <laughs> let's get back uh, to to some of the happier moments uh, as well. <laughs> uh, I, what was, as, as you think back on this year, is there one moment 
or a series of moments that will define the season for you? Um, I mean, Peyton, Peyton Henry's redemption kick against Oregon, for sure. Yeah. I think if there's any one thing, it's that. Um, I think if there's any one thing, it's that, and I don't think it's close. Um, for so many reasons. I mean, like for his own personal arc as a as a player and as a you know what is college football if not 150 years of storytelling um um and obviously i mean i don't think the rest of it needs to be explained (laughs) um like it's it's a game-winning kick against oregon at the end who cares um but i think also kind of the i think kind of the I maybe the Michigan State game or maybe even a little bit earlier when we started like that that one throw against even though it's an FCS team um that one throw against Portland State where where um mm. Penix rolled out to his weak side since he's a lefty and uh and and hit Jalen McMillan just perfectly with to prevent the the safety that was coming over you know couldn't get it and that throw that throw even even qualified against the competition it was was one of the it that was such a beautiful throw (laughs) like I think I think that was the point where I was like oh shit oh we might have like a really good he might be really good (laughs) and then and then the Michigan having the Michigan State game to to kind of have that as a welcoming uh party was I drunk in Ottawa for the fourth quarter and watching it only partially maybe who knows who can confirm yeah. certainly not i <laughs> but the rest you know i i i i think that journey of going from okay this guy's awesome to okay this team is awesome you know disregard that michigan state ended up not being very good but um, yeah. um to then kind of having obviously those bumps against ucla and asu but then then catching themselves all back and culminating in the uh you know the Oregon redemption kick and and then of course the wazoo the apple cup redemption like <laughs> like I think I yeah I I just think the whole arc of everything this season was fantastic and delightful and yeah yeah I <laughs> think all. that kick is a great answer I I think I also will always remember ZTF sacking uh getting mm-hmm. the sack against Washington State uh against ward and then planting the flag just because i think that captured a lot of the emotion of the previous several weeks including the mm-hmm. oregon game it's just like a catharsis it's like okay this is this is redemption not just for <clears throat> the apple cup but for the entire last couple of years mm-hmm. which was a very fun moment uh last thing before we we wrap this up is there a thing you're looking forward to most going into next year um i think this isn't looking forward to so much as I mean it is looking forward to I suppose but mostly just I'll be intrigued to see about the offensive line interior going into the offseason I think that will be really interesting because it it's kind of a situation where I'm you know sad to see three guys go from a unit that kicks so much ass but I also uh you know we've seen quite a bit from a lot of other guys who are will be candidates to fill those spots and you know a lot of it's been pretty good and we know the talent the talent level there is quite high I mean that was one of the main reasons why Scott Huff was retained 
so I think that'll just be really interesting to watch, um, to see that, see what emerges there and uh, growth from those guys as individuals and, and as a unit. Um, but also I think, um, I think it'll be interesting. I'm really interested in, in watching the, the defensive line as well next um, kind of, well, I should say in the off season and in spring and then later fall camp, which is getting super ahead of ourselves. But um, I think, I, I think that will just be exciting just because yeah, that the, the everybody, the, everybody there is just really, really fun to watch. And those it, it, on the best teams, those have to be the most fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise I'll, I'll just say any changes personnel or staffing wise, or philo- or just like philosophy wise in the secondary um just because obviously that is clearly a place where they you know the huskies need improvement and and you know when you when you look at like what's missing in this team and like how much the things that are missing need to improve like it's it's just a little you just need a little bit of marginal improvement for like a significant change in output you know on a whole so i think that's that'll just obviously I'll have my eye on that for that reason. Yeah. I, I, I think for me, I'm also looking forward to just seeing the evolution of the other skill positions um, outside of Penix coming back. Uh, don't know yet if Roma Dunze is going to be back at wide receiver, uh, but, you know, bringing Jeremy Bernard into that mix, seeing mm-hmm. if McMillan has another gear still to develop. He's still a young player and and he's just been so, so great this year. Uh, maybe getting a little bit more Jalen Polk in the mix uh, looked great uh, when he was featured and then at times kind of faded out of the offense a little bit. So just seeing how that, that develops into next year. And then also uh, the running back position at, you know, uh, Tolapapa moving on and presumably a couple players transferring at some point, but uh, there's going to be some opportunities and bringing in two really interesting transfers, Daniel Nagata from uh, Arizona state, who I just loved watching um, the, even in more of a supporting role, he's just an electric running back. And then recently got uh, Dylan Johnson from Mississippi state. Who's been very, very productive in the sec, like running back position could be really exciting next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe there won't be this lull early in the season where the, the, the running back is not, you know, the running game is not on on pace with what the passing game is doing. So another lots to look forward to. And I, but I think you're right that the the success or failure of the season will kind of rest with how well the, uh, the how much the defense takes a step forward next year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think specifically on the back end, because like if you combined, if you combine like a roughly average or like just a little bit more ball hawkish, secondary with that pass rush like holy shit (laughs) yep for sure (laughs) like the idea of braylon tries uh ztf and then like i like well i mean now i'm just getting now i'm just getting greedy and thinking of like that combo plus like the 2016 defensive backs but that's silly you can't have everything you can't have everything yeah and let's let's bring vita vea back too hopefully jabbar muhammad the oklahoma state db um is more productive than Jordan Perryman was kind of coming in the yeah. same spot and, and last year for what it's worth. Like, you know, Perryman, you know, it, it rotten injury like mm-hmm. <laughs> So that yeah. it's, it's I, the context of everything is also pretty rough. Like there's a lot of things that went wrong. So. Yep. Well, let's, let's move on from football. Let's talk a little bit of uh, recommendations and plugs. Do you have anything coming up, Gaby, you want to uh, promote? 
Um, I have a handful of shows in January that I will post about on Twitter when they happen. Oh, actually, no, you know what? There's one. Um, I'm in Snohomish at shit. What's the venue? See, this is, I never prepare for these things. I just have it in my calendars. Snohomish show, uh, 15 Monday. And then the name of the producer who I'm not going to like dox here. Um, but, um, that that's on the 17th if you follow me on twitter like instagram or whatever i'll I'll post something about that closer to the day of um and um emmett montgomery is headlining he and dewa dorje is featuring as well and um they're both so funny and uh, yeah she's hilarious she runs a show it hereafter called d's nuts um and and emmett was on um was he was he on uh what's the com the the fucking last comic standing oh <laughs> um he was on last comic standing a handful of years ago and he's just and he runs joke tellers union in south in uh um in beacon hill um and has done that for like i don't know a decade they have their own theme song even that show it's great um he's really funny and adorable and then um also on february 8th i'll um, I'm going to be at the Babe Cave, which is also hereafter at the Crocodile, um, with Lisa Wallen, who's funny. And um, if you're like a gamer person, you might know her because she's, she, I know her from comedy in Seattle, but she um, also is, especially during the pandemic, she's become kind of like well known on for like streaming stuff and all that. Um, and then also Vanessa Dawn is on that show and she's like genuinely one of the funniest people I've ever met. Um she's so stupidly funny <laughs> if you don't if you don't um follow vanessa dawn for stand-up stuff um you should stop not doing that and start doing that <laughs> so yeah that that those are those are my things if if i'll i'll post more about them on on twitter and crap so all good yeah and if uh you can't make it to those shows i, I show i've been watching lately uh, Peacock, something called Shrink. It was made about five years ago, I think, uh, for a, a network called CISO that went under and then <laughs> didn't live anywhere for like five years. And Peacock recently posted it, so you can watch it there now. But it's a, it was created by Tim Baltz, who's one of the funniest people, I, funniest comedic actors I know. <laughs> He's mm -hmm. extremely good. Uh, and then Mary Holland is also prominently involved. Um, I don't think she wrote it, but she acts in it. She's very funny too, but it's about a guy who's uh, finished med school with a ton of debt and his medical fellowship fell through. So he has to start doing um, uh, unlicensed therapy sessions in his <laughs> garage, uh, working toward um, his being a licensed psychiatrist. Uh, in order to get forbearance on $700,000 worth of loans. But it's also like very thoughtful um, treatment of mental illness. So uh, mm -hmm. very funny, but also not like cheap and dumb. So uh, recommend that if you have a chance to watch it. I know nobody has Peacock, but if you do, uh, it's <laughs> like $3 also, a month or something. Maybe you can buy it and own it on a yeah. thing. I think we should plug buying shit, which you can't always do owning like copies of the entertainment and the art that you'd like because i'm so over everything being streamed and everything being rented and everything being a subscription is a terrible terrible unequitable shitty model <laughs> that, 
that that they then like just you know like how so many shows have just been like wiped off of say hbo or whatever yes um if you can get a fucking dvd player and get dvds do it while you still can uh yeah i actually have that that whole series on lp it's much better sound it sounds Um, better on record it's just more natural (laughs) um i think that's it for this week thanks for listening this season it's been a really fun year to do this podcast compared to last year where we just kept saying why can't our linebackers tackle uh it's been so much more fun uh i think it's the kind of year you know that'll probably get the attention of cody pickett and hopefully maybe next year uh he'll actually show up it's yeah we keep asking we've asked so many times and every time he he uh he just sends us a picture of of uh, uh no i was gonna <laughs> he just he just says so many mean things about how he won't well, every join. time he's like i'm closer but i'm not there yet yeah I keep asking <laughs> cody's made me cry 13 times yeah i sh- yeah i'm so sad that if i didn't i feel like one person would believe that and then yeah it, uh, uh, no then it'll, they'll never show up yeah uh but yeah, maybe next year. And I'm sure we'll drop in in the off season a couple times yeah. uh, for recruiting and, and different things. But in the meantime, thanks for listening all year. Go dogs. Go dogs. Woof. <laughs>